Hello and welcome to episode 191 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. Yes, still being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight we're talking about traveling like I used to, mixed with some July crazy travel roundup. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And tonight I am partaking in a Regatta Double IPA from Biscayne Bay Brewing Company, coming in at a very hefty 8.5 APV. So yes, once again, I am drinking local as this is out of the Miami, Florida area. Two trips since our last episode, one was a three-day road trip to Atlanta, and the other was a five-day visit to the Northeast. First, the Atlanta road trip. So for the past two years or so, when I've been visiting Atlanta, I would usually go up 75, just south of Macon, and then head over 16 and wind my way up through Athens, Georgia, and then back down to Duluth, Georgia. So for this trip, I decided to change it up a bit taking 75 up to Macon and then 475 around Macon back onto 75 up to 675 and then 285 to avoid the downtown Atlanta traffic gridlock finally ending up on 85 North headed into Duluth and I'm here to tell you no matter how much road construction Atlanta performs it will never solve Atlanta traffic issues. And probably one of the biggest reasons is that most cars in Atlanta have a single passenger in them. So the first two nights were spent in Duluth and the third night was back down south in Valdosta. And the fitness center at the Hilton Garden Inn located in Valdosta did indeed have a Peloton and it was in absolutely perfect working order. Surprisingly, as most hotel fitness equipment is normally trashed in under 12 months, Possibly this was their second or third Peloton. And if you recall from last year's episodes that Peloton and Hilton had made in some sort of a deal to place Pelotons in all of the fitness centers. So it looks like it is holding true. And then this past week, it was fly into Philly on Monday, drive I-95 down to Baltimore, make that base camp for Tuesday and Wednesday, followed by a day in Pensacola, New Jersey, before flying out of Philly on Friday. And you've heard me say it in the past, and I'm here to say it again, that no matter what part of I-95 that you are on, it is absolutely horrendous. From traffic to bad roads, it is just not a good north-south corridor for the eastern side of the United States. So on the Northeast trip, let's talk about the hotel roundup first. There was two nights at the Hilton Garden Inn, White Marsh, one night at the Hilton Doubletree, Pensacola, and the last night was another Hilton Doubletree at Philadelphia Airport. So the Hilton Garden Inn in White Marsh also had a Peloton, but this one had a sign stating that it was out of order due to a manufacturer part recall, so they say. And this was a good or what I would call a solid Hilton Garden Inn. I had wings one night, and as surprisingly as it sounds, the wings at Hilton Garden Inns are far better than anything you could order at B-Dubs. Friend of the show, Robbie Morris, hit me up to these featherless taste sensations several years ago, and no matter what property I've been to or where I've ordered them, they are consistently delicious. 
Now, when it came to the double tray and pin socket, this property was a little bit, as they say, long in the tooth, friendly staff, but it was in dire need of an overhaul, especially the greenhouse pool enclosure, which was missing several screen panels and looked like that it might actually be a greenhouse for plant growth. And then finishing up that trip with the hotel stay at the Doubletree Philadelphia Airport, I had a very early morning 6.15 a.m. flight home. So here's a tip for all you baby road warriors. Book your last night hotel at a hotel that offers an airport shuttle. Then the night before, drop your rental car off at the rental agency, take the rental shuttle to the airport, then take the hotel shuttle from the airport to the hotel. Yes, it takes a bit more time, but I promise you it's less of a hassle than trying to drop off a rental car at 4 a.m. in the morning. Now, the Hilton Doubletree Philadelphia Airport was in much better shape, but the high point or the highlight of the visit was the player's sports bar located in the lobby. My dinner was a cheesesteak. They don't say Philly cheesesteak because you're in Philly. I had a cheesesteak, deliciously prepared steak mixed with sautéed onions covered with a blanket of warm, melty cheese. And players also offered a very solid local beer selection. Right from the start, I zeroed in on the Brotherly Love Hazy IPA from Victory Brewing, and that's where I stayed for the duration of the meal. But we did have some other beers on the trip. There was Dead Cat IPA from Basement Brewing, Fiddlehead IPA from Fiddlehead Brewing, Monotone Citra from Tonewood Brewing, Aboriginal Gangster from Burley Oak Brewing Company, and finishing up with Straight Out of Baltimore from the Oliver Brewing Company, all great local beers. And also beer in Maryland is not cheap as we were paying 18 bucks for four packs of 16 ounce beers. So between the beer prices, in addition to the housing prices, it's doubtful that I could afford to live in the Maryland area. So the hotel roundup is as follows, eight nights on the road, five different hotels. And there was a lot of consistency. If you needed room service, you had to let the front desk know the night before I think this is going to be the policy or the procedure going forward. I don't see that changing at all. None of the hotels offered much of COVID reminders, except for some people wearing masks and the hand sanitizer stations, most of which were empty. The only new addition that I saw was that all of the hotels had QR codes where you could scan for the TV channels, a hotel directory, or what local food delivered. But when it came to the bathroom toiletries, each bathroom had a single bar of soap next to the sink, but all the shower gel, shampoo, and conditioner were housed in these giant pump bottles mounted to the shower wall. This I am not a fan of. Is it enough to make me pack my own shampoo and gel? Probably not. Now, it has been several months since I've flown, and not much has changed there. Of course, when flying southwest as I do, the direct routes are very limited, so the flight up to Philly as well as the return flight required connections. The flight up connected in Nashville, Tennessee, and the return flight stopped in Chicago, Illinois, and then Columbus, Ohio, before finally heading back into O-Town. And I love the Nashville airport. It is an airport that is ever-evolving. There's always live music, always new food stops, but there seems to be more and more of the stores inside the terminal that are selling Nashville beer and Nashville liquor. Last week's five flights did offer a couple of surprises. Airplane occupancy was surprisingly light 
as my flight into Nashville was 75% full. Now, this was a 6.55 a.m. morning flight. That may have had something to do with it. And then my 6.15 Philly to Columbus flight was 50% full. I had a whole row of seats to myself. Now, of course, as you could well imagine, the flight back into O-Town or Orlando was packed with kids and lots of families wearing matching Disney t-shirts. The other surprise was that Southwest is no longer serving mini pretzels. Several years ago, I remember when they quit serving peanuts due to peanut allergies, so they kind of kicked over to mini pretzels. Well, I'm here to tell you that the current Southwest snack is Remy's graham crackers. And the only reason that I mention it is they are absolutely wonderful. I probably haven't eaten a lot of graham crackers since my kids were little, but these were a total game changer. I've already found where I can buy them on Amazon. Now, one thing that hasn't changed is that taking early morning flights is still a giant cup of suck. Yes, the first flight out does reduce the chances of your flight being delayed as compared with taking a flight in the afternoon, especially coming into Florida with our pop-up storms. But these early morning flights after 23 years still wreak havoc on my sleep patterns. You know, my flight into Philly departed at 6.55, which required leaving Chateau Relaxo by probably 4.30 that Monday morning, which meant I started waking up right around 3 a.m. looking at the clock. My return flight out of Philly departed at 6.15 a.m., which required boarding the hotel shuttle by roughly 4, 4.30 which meant I started waking up right around 2.30, looking at the clock. And like I said, in 23 years of travel, I've never missed a flight, but for some reason, I just don't sleep well before those early morning flights. The other thing that an early morning flight does do is it does get you usually to your destination early afternoon, so there's still plenty of time to get caught up on work and not waste your evening returning emails. Each day, I try to find at least one thing to be grateful for. And last week on Monday and again on Friday, the one thing that I was grateful for was having TSA pre-check. At both airports, the non-TSA pre-check lines were absolutely horrendous. And this was at 5, 5.30 in the morning. The Philly airport, the line was down the hallway, around a corner and down another corridor. My word of advice to all baby road warriors is drop the, I don't know, is it 80, 90 bucks and get yourself TSA recheck. So on to the July crazy travel roundup. This is a bit scaled down, but this month we have 10 drinks. Isn't an excuse to be creepy McCreeperton. How clean is clean? Are you an entitled traveler? And what 14 words will get you banned from an airport? So opening up with this from Boing Boing, with 10 drinks under his belt, a 69-year-old man is charged with groping a teen next to him on a Delta flight. Dateline, North Carolina, and here's the cliff notes. Shortly after the plane took off, the 15-year-old picked up Jack Allen Roberson's headphones after he dropped them. In response, Jack Allen said, thank you, I don't know what I would have done without you. Seems like a very kind and elderly gentleman at this point. Sometime afterward, the teenager felt him touch her thigh which he thought was accidental because he appeared to be asleep. So it seems like Jack Allen was playing the old possum trick. Then he slowly moved his hands up her thigh and under her skirt. And this is where Jack Allen turns into this month's creepy McCreeperton. The teenager, who was very smart, alerted her aunt who switched seats with her before notifying the flight crew that Robertson's touching of her niece. 
resulting in Jack Allen getting a new seat. In an interview with federal investigators, Jack Allen said he had eight alcoholic beverages prior to boarding the flight to Seattle and then drank two double vodka tonics on the flight. I'm saying that's 12 drinks, maybe 10 physical glasses, but definitely 12 drinks. And in case you didn't know it, abusive sexual contact on an aircraft can result in up to two years in prison and a $250,000 fine. And remember, alcohol or drug use does not excuse felony sexual abuse. And I'm repeating my June PSA, dudes, all of you dudes out there, no matter what you've watched on Pornhub or read on Reddit, women do not like this behavior. They don't welcome it. They don't want it. If a woman wanted you to act like that, she would simply ask. And doing something like that to a 15-year-old Mr. Jackass Allen, you're deplorable. For this next story, let's head over to the Tiki Talk and focus on Rochelle N. Stewart's account. In addition to listing Jesus, mom, wife, cook, clean, organize, and self-care in her profile, Rochelle has 1.1 million followers. And Rochelle recently shared the intense 20-minute cleaning routine she does in every hotel that includes checking for bed bugs with a blue light, and she wipes down everything from the shower to the light switch. And during the Tiki Talk video, Rochelle said, the clean life isn't for everyone, but this is what I do when I check into a hotel as she was wiping down the phone with a Clorox wipe. I can't remember the last time I used the phone in a hotel room, probably 15, 16 years ago. But next, Rochelle used soap and a scrub daddy to clean the sink. Then she took a Clorox wipe and a sponge and wiped the toilet, the floor, and the shower. Finishing up with cleaning the shower floor, she said, even if I wear flip-flops, I got to at least clean the shower floor. Call me crazy if you want. Okay, Rochelle. As of July 31st, I have spent 23 years being a road warrior, and I work with at least 30 other road warriors, and I have yet to find out or hear from any of them that they've ever gotten a sick from a hotel room. And make no mistake about it, I appreciate your attention to cleanliness, and you even listed in your profile, it's that important for you. Over the years, I've seen baby road warriors bring out a black or a blue light when they travel, and when they disclose this, I always ask, what are you going to do if you find something with that light? And almost every single one of them replies with, ask for a new room. To which I reply, do you really think they have a different housekeeper for each room? More than likely, the same person that cleaned the room that you're in that you don't like, more than likely cleaned the room that they're going to reassign you. So here's another PSA, short of licking the toilet seat in a hotel room chances of you getting sick is very, very minimal. So here's a point to ponder. What is your definition of entitled, especially with travel? It could be always expecting the upgrade no matter what number you are on the upgrade list or expecting the hotel staff to clean up after you in the breakfast area. But here's an example of an entitled traveler that has never come to my mind. Business class passenger loses it when United runs out of his first choice meal. And after reading the multitude of stories posted about this, loses it probably isn't the best descriptor of what this guy did. This guy pitched such a fit 
that United Airlines Flight 20 from Houston to Amsterdam dumped fuel and then diverted to Chicago. After removing the passenger and refueling, the flight landed only about three and a half hours late. Not a huge deterrent, but still a giant pain. And there's a video. There's always a video. I'll post a link. And of course, as the story unfolds, it appears that there was some pre-gaming before the flight, which may have attributed to the outburst. I'm not sure about the cost of a fuel dump, and I'm guessing it's probably not the greatest thing for the environment. But this was all over a passenger not getting their first choice of a meal. It's not that they didn't get to eat, it's they didn't get what they wanted. Plus, it's a meal on an airline, and the airline is United. I've flown United a few times over the years, and I don't recall any four, even any three-star dining experience. And with most of these stories, the true comedy gold is in the comments. For example, Dan K. They should start putting a small padded jail cell next to the toilet to hold these people so they don't have to divert. Dan K., you are a genius. SVA says a uniquely American problem along with guns and low IQ and failed geography tests and standard of living and lower life expectancy. I'm guessing that SVA has some sort of agenda on their own. And Andy sums it up the best. If he was so passionate about onboard dining, why did he choose United? And finally, finishing up with the 14 words that will get you banned from an airport. Those words are, I'm going to blow this S up. I'm going to take you all out. And why would someone choose to utter those words? Well, it turns out that 30-year-old Vincent Serino showed up the gate for his flight and was told that the flight was closed already and that he would not be allowed to board because he was late. So the deputies apprehended Serino following the incident, and as one would expect, the situation further escalated when officers attempted to inform him of his Miranda rights. And of course, he refused to cooperate, became even more agitated, using explicit language and raising his voice towards the officers. In the court proceedings, the judge acknowledged concerns about the specific charges that Serena was facing, but found probable cause to proceed with the case. The judge ordered Serena to post a $10,000 bond and forbade him from entering any airport property. And where did all this take place? Glad you asked. This took place at, thank you, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood International Airport. And as we all know, what's the Florida motto? Florida, come on vacation, leave on probation. Well, there you have it. Episode 191, Traveling Like I Used To, mixed with some July crazy travel roundup, is in the books. If you want detailed show notes, links, and pictures, head over to podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories. Visit us at Substack, travelstories.substack.com. Leave a message at Anchor. Shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. That's travelfrick at gmail.com. As I always say, travel safe, stay safe, and thanks for listening.